Malware, spear phishing, zombie computers mining cryptocurrency. Cybersecurity continues to be a top of mind issue for companies and for CIOs. With more sophisticated attackers, including state-sponsored hacking, what's the right strategy to minimize risk? The answer, it turns out, lies in a combination of technology and practices. I'm Greg Thomas from Workday. Today on the Workday podcast, we'll talk more about cybersecurity. And with us to unpack all of that is Andreas Tomek, advisory partner at KPMG here in Vienna. Thank you for joining us. Thanks for having me. So maybe before we dive into cybersecurity proper, can you give us a, a brief background on, on you and, and how you came to, to advise folks on, the, on this topic? Basically, I've been doing that like the last 15 years, um, always being interested in information security and systems as such. So a little bit more of the like original, uh, let's say, hacker school, uh, where you want to dive in and how systems work and how basically to make and break in. Um, and um, so... Um, while studying at the Technical University in Vienna, we tried to establish some formal security education back then. And this is the first time I also came in contact with KPMG, um, basically by doing uh, and talking about standards and regulations and IT governance and things like that. Uh, and since then, basically working in that field, uh, uh, also doing that in, in different roles. Uh, so I, I spent some years as, uh, with KPMG back into like 2004 to 2006, uh, working as an IT auditor, uh, doing security. And during the time, also doing pen testing, security testing, things like that. And um, yeah, then continued to do that basically by, by building up a, a research center in that area um, and, and growing that one to over 100 people. and. Uh, um, since 2016, I'm I'm back with KPMG um, and I took over uh, as a partner the the, the team uh, here in Vienna. And security is one of our strategic initiatives. Uh, our local level are 35 people, um, and globally we're over 3,000, uh, being one of the of the groups that is growing quite quite heavily. And this is a hell of a ride, and it's very interesting. <laughs> and so you you really came at it almost from the perspective of of having done it. You, yeah, you were you were having fun hacking. And, and it was a good place to, to... It's a good place to be in, yeah. Yeah, wonderful. So let, let's start at a, at a high level. So for CIOs, what are their main concerns today around cybersecurity? There are, of course, lots of things going on, but, but what do you think is really keeping them most up at night? What's now in the, in the like public interest and also an in interest of the CIO is that security has been shifting over the last years. Uh, so uh, the main idea here is that you can't protect against every threat there is. Uh, there will be a time when you get hacked and when you have an incident. And um, to be honest, um, that has been the case for a long time, but uh, a lot of people didn't realize it. So now basically security is shifting from very proactive to more reactive, being able to, to, to find your incidents, to limit the damage, to control the damage, and then gain, and getting back to normal. Huh? Uh, so that, that has been, I think, a tremendous shift on the one hand. So, so perhaps less about preventing attacks, almost minimizing damage, minimizing yeah. the impact. And, and also more about, uh, less about security, more about resilience. So being able to come back up to speed. Yeah? Um, and with that comes a lot of change also in the technology. So 
being able to do things on the cloud enables you to be resilient, for example. Um, but also it has new like security uh, requirement. And um, and the other thing is basically that that with um, the more you digitalize your core business, the more that uh, data becomes an asset and that uh, everything gets connected. Uh, security is a part of all of that. Uh, so that that is one of the major shifts that we're seeing. And you, you have to have a holistic view on all of that. Uh, so it's technology, it's processes, people, uh, all intertwined. Uh, and now also comes the regulatory and legal stuff with privacy and GDPR. So it's a, it's a, it's a very diverse field uh, that basically has like connectors in all the different areas of your business. And um, that's the main obstacle, I think. And there's also a, a, a real change in, in what you expect of a security professional. Uh, like in the old days, it was the like very tech-savvy people. Now you need a lot more management skills. So we're here at Workday Rising Europe in, in Vienna, and, and I'm curious when when you talk to your clients, the, the ones that are here in in Austria, ones that are in Europe, uh, ones that are global. Do you see a difference in in what they're most concerned about or how they're thinking about cybersecurity? Yeah, what we what we are seeing locally is the things that happened uh, in the U.S. in Germany with larger corporations that this kind of security obstacles uh, and and, and um, also measures are now trickling down to smaller companies uh, that they also realize that there is a risk and that they need to do something about it. A lot of companies on a local level are now starting to to think about security in a strategic manner to have awareness at the at the top level, uh, at the C-levels, uh, being uh, on the CEO's agenda even, and um, doing something about um, about all kind of, of, uh, of areas of information security. Uh, also in comparison um, between maybe US uh, and, and Europe, um, they, they have a very different approach on on how to try to, to tackle security. Uh, so in the US, it's uh, much more feature and technology driven, uh, whereas in Europe, it's much more process and people driven uh, normally. What, what do you attribute those differences to? Um, maybe budget. Um, so first, uh, you want to have people and then maybe also you want to have solutions. And especially with our larger clients, we see that they are now also investing first in people, then in solutions. Um, and um, whereas in the US, you, you, you were more feature heavy all the way. Uh, with larger corporations being used to like purchase a lot of uh, of solutions and using them from day to day, I think also Europeans stick more to the technology they once buy. They do not shift that easily, um, and then we see a lot of uh, of differences in how issues like privacy are tackled. Uh, so they they rather go for a local provider, local solution, uh, on-premise solution, whereas the US is very open about. Uh, cloud and, and, and using different solutions from time to time and shifting over. Yeah? Uh, and, and both of these like ways have, have, I think, very different requirements in terms of security. Things that we've seen in the US, like third-party risk management, things like that, are only now coming to Europe uh, and being and getting more important, basically. Yeah. Mm. So, you, you know, you, you spoke of those different kinds of approaches in, in Europe versus the United States, for example. Um, you know, one of the things that that I've, I've heard others talk about is that the, the threat landscape is, is 
is changing a lot and, and has been changing a lot that there's, there's, there's still a lot of automated attacks happening, but, but more and more it's, it's spear phishing, it's social engineering. It, it's, it's really treating a company's employees perhaps as that entry point into, into compromising their systems. How does it look from, from your perspective? And, it, and if it is about more social engineering type attacks, what's the, what's the best defense or the way to be resilient against those things? We see a lot of, of, of social engineering attacks and intertwined attacks where people are basically using, on the one hand, social skills and then also technology that enables them then to, to get a foothold and from that foothold then expand and stay as well in the company. So if you look at all kind of research, you see that basically uh, once you are in a network, you stay in a network for quite a long time and most probably being undetected. So therefore, you need to, to find like the first way in. Um, and people are always one of the weakest links. Also, just because of, of sheer mass, if you have like, I don't know, workforce of 50,000 people, uh, uh, the chance that, that you find like 10 that will respond to a kind of attack is, is quite easy uh, or that you can motivate them. I think um, what what we really need to do is on the one hand uh, educate people about the, the different angles uh, that, people, that, that, that attackers are using, but also on the other hand um, enable technology uh, to, to detect that something is happening. Um, and this stands obviously in a, in a very big contradiction to, uh, to how privacy uh, is, is typically done in, in, in a corporation and in, in, in companies because uh, if you're monitoring employees, what they are doing and uh, how they are doing it, then this uh, typically is always a, a point of, of great discussion. So yeah, that's, um, that's the thing. So education is key in that area. Um, but on the other hand, there are so many new angles, so many new attacks uh, that uh, I think most of the employees don't have our standard chance that they like find all of them. Uh, and th that's the main problem that we are facing uh, as an attacker. You just need to find one weak link, whereas as the defender, you need to like defend all your bases. Um, so that's that always has been the problem. And it gets more and more with more technology being applied, with more people being there. Yeah. So you spoke earlier about uh, sort of the posture moving away from pure defense to, to being resilient to attacks. Talk, talk a little bit more about that. What, is, what does resilience mean in, in the context of, of cybersecurity and, and how to minimize risk, minimize exposure, minimize damage? What, we, what we've seen like in the, in the old days of IT and security uh, has been that confidentiality was like the key issue. So if you would like to talk about a security, then it was always about secret information, corporate statements, uh, secrets, things like that. Uh, what we are now seeing is that uh, this is shifting not really away, but uh, additionally to confidentiality. Now, uh, integrity and, uh, and availability become more of an issue. People need to, to get uh, basically their mind about, uh, about these new scenarios that they are now facing. This comes also more dominant with, with more technology being used in areas where we previously didn't have computers making decisions uh, or also controlling life, controlling safety. Uh, the more you use uh, computers for that, and everything is a computer nowadays, uh, be it your car, be it your, uh, your industry systems, car system, uh, home device, uh, thermometer, whatever it is, uh, um, the, more, the more you have like the same rules applying to all of that kind of stuff. Uh, but still, um, 
the same unsecure principles are there, like the internet was not designed for security, computers therefore are not really normally uh, normally designed for security firsthand. Are there any good examples of, of things you've seen over the last year that you could talk about that, that sort of illustrate some of these threats without giving away someone's secret? There have been, I think, uh, a lot of, uh, of work has been done uh, with, with our major clients where they try to build up the capabilities. Uh, just a few examples. Um, one of the areas where, where, where we are doing a lot of work is, is the banking area and finance. So these have been used to doing security for a very long term, but uh, it now also has changed for them, being more flexible, more attractive, better use of feelings, things like that. Um, so they are, they're facing quite a lot of, of, of different uh, um, requirements and um, they are shifting their security model to be much more agile, much more uh, reactive. So by doing that, they are investing heavily, uh, typically in user education, in getting directly into projects to be basically part of development, part of the requirements phase already, uh, by by also placing data privacy as one of the top priorities. And then also having uh, capabilities like uh, security problems on their own. So they establish, for example, threat hunting teams to basically try to hack the bank from inside all the time uh, to find information that shouldn't be there. They now are required to do regular penetration testing from the outside uh, and also finding information that has leaked somewhere. So you talked a little bit earlier also about talent and skills. How is what companies need in terms of their their cybersecurity teams changing? And, and, And even in terms of the talent itself, people coming into the field, are there different skills that they need? You mentioned management experience, for example, earlier. How how is the the world of talent evolving? There always have been like um, two angles to look at information security. So you have on the one hand um, the very technical side that comes from being tech savvy and trying to break systems, uh, the, the like original hack mindset. And then you have the more risk-oriented approach that uh, typically uh, was doing a lot of, uh, of, of management work, that was doing a lot of policy work, things like that. Um, what you see now is that those two are coming together, that you try to have effective security, but also communicate it in a way that people understand. There's a principle involved. I, I forget what it's called. But the the notion of security by design, of, of building security into processes and, and the way that things are built sort of from the beginning, how is that changing the way that, or is it changing the way that uh, the kinds of talent that people are looking for or the way that, that teams are, are operating to ensure that security is not an afterthought as it maybe was many years ago? I think that the more mature organizations are already getting that, um, that it is needed. Uh, so, so you on the one hand have technical people to try to evolve and uh, some of the examples that I've seen former basically security testers being now part of these kind of teams uh, is, is, a, is a tremendous uh, um, possibility and opportunity there uh, because uh, they are really knowing what the real threats are and they can test it right away. They are just in the middle there. Um, so the technical skills uh, uh, are, are very much uh, 
uh, basically needed, but but only in combination with this like business need and mindset. IT shouldn't be there for itself. It's just uh, to fulfill business needs and therefore also security. Uh, and if you get this uh, end have like technical skills on a very deep level or being able to manage very technical people, that's the the, the thing that you need. Are there any technologies that you're that you're watching that you think uh, might really change the the cybersecurity landscape, artificial intelligence, machine learning, blockchain, things of things of that nature? So what we what we're seeing at the moment is that it's an arm race. It always has been, uh, and that we have a skills shortage. So um, what we need is. Um, basically the possibility to automate like everyday tasks uh, in this field. Um, so the first step would be like automation and robotics process automation in, in, in this like area. Second step would be then AI and being able to apply AI for finding attacks and, and basically also maybe preventing attacks or, or reacting to that. Right, and um, some industries have been doing this for a long time. Fraud detection, anomaly detection in financial services, credit cards. And it's coming more and more also to the security field. There are a lot of solutions. Basically now it is everything is big data and AI. Um, so, so, but also here you have to like find uh, what is really the need and, and does the, like, the product fulfill your need. Huh? Uh, and, and as I said, it's, it's an arms race. It's, it has been shifting all the time. It still is shifting all the time. And you see that uh, with, with, with big like, security competitions where uh, like uh, human teams already try to basically compete with, with, with uh, AIs uh, on, on, on trying to hack and secure stuff. So this is an area where we'll see uh, I think a, a lot of development over the next years. Um, so that's that's the one thing. The other thing is uh, having new technologies that enable you to do stuff securely. Um, so blockchain is one of them, uh, and maybe or most likely the the, the the most interesting one. Although not everything that, that 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 should be solved should be solved by blockchain, but it it can. Uh, and will bring some some very new and interesting ideas to uh, especially how to secure information in, in distributed ledgers and uh, and how to to enable everyone to to basically prove that that uh, transaction uh, was was genuine. The, audit, um, the auditability. The yeah. auditability is, is built in. Um, Whereas, as I said, uh, there are also security implications because everything is on the blockchain. Uh, so uh, not every every like scenario would be an ideal blockchain scenario. And so that need to educate employees around phishing attacks and use things like multi-factor authentication, those things are not going away. No, those, those I think won't go away, although multi-factor is, is coming more convenient. I wouldn't say more secure, but much more convenient. Yeah. So with, with if I can use like a face ID or a, or a, a fingerprint to authenticate, it's not much better than a four-digit code, but it's much more convenient. Huh? Takes so, some friction away. Yeah. So, and I think that's one of the the main opportunities. If you have like a, a secure technology that is really usable by people, and people are using it on a day to day basis, and it's marginally better than a password. That's one thing where you really have um, a lot of opportunity in the market, and and we see like crazy stuff uh, if uh, also combine technology with like psychology. So uh, if you're, for example, looking about why people update their phones, uh, which always is a security issue because only if you're on the like latest version of the operating system you are secure. 
uh, or much more secure, then people are not doing it because of the security. They are doing it because they get like new emojis. Uh, and, and, and this is a big motivation for end users. But still, you can use that for security. So I think security <laughs> people have to be more creative about what really motivates people and use that to... To, to bring their goals to, to an end. Uh, Some people have said in the past the cloud is, is not as secure. I think that's largely been debunked. But how do you, uh, what, what do you see in your practice around the notion of cloud and, and people's acceptance and, and thoughts about security? I think that now the people are really contemplating much more about if the cloud is more secure or not. Uh, and as always, they are mixing up security and privacy. So you need like to look at both things if you talk about the cloud, uh, especially from European standpoint. But um, security, I think, so the amount of security that a cloud provider can do, if it is a really a large scale cloud provider, you can't possibly do that same amount of security as a small to medium enterprise, uh, because you have just Cloud provider just might have more specialized technology, people, large workforce, 24-7, whatever it is. Yeah, it's, uh, it's an issue it, of scale. It, it, it's an issue of scale, uh, uh, which doesn't say there can't be errors, but that's like the same problem with your own operations. Uh. Um, on the other hand, um, you get also new features in new security scenarios. So what we are seeing uh, with our clients is that uh, clients that didn't do cloud like years before and... Uh, uh, now doing a lot in the cloud that they now have like a specialized team only thinking about security with cloud-enabled applications. Um, also because of the delivery model with an evergreen approach, you basically get new versions every day, uh, new features every day, features that might have security implications and you just don't know. Uh, and so you, you just need to think about do you want to roll out this feature or not? Does it have any security implications? Do I need to uh, train my staff about it? Things like that. So there's actually quite a lot of, of, of um, tasks that you still need to do on a local level, although you're getting this stuff out of the cloud. Yeah, basic security yeah. hygiene still applies. Yeah, and second, and not only basic, but but thinking differently about the scenarios that are now interesting. Yeah? Uh, I don't need to worry that much more about the availability. Yeah? But I need to worry much more, for example, about authentication and identity. Uh, um, I don't need to, to, to worry that more about monitoring, things like that, uh, because I get that just as plain out of my, my locks and my, my system. But I, I need to worry much more about um, where people are accessing this kind of stuff, things like that. So you have like different angles that you need to, to look at. And uh, as I said, um, that... Uh, the, the faster delivery models also are kind of uh, 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 a requirement that not every company can fulfill. Uh, um, yeah, people need don't a have strategy. The same, yeah, they don't have the same. They don't have the same speed. Um, and as I said, this kind of privacy that's a different story. Uh, also, you, you you can do like. Uh, good privacy models, but you have to look into them and you have to think about that. And it can't be the solution that the only good privacy area would be have it in-house. Um, so that, that doesn't scale and basically you just, you just scale yourself out of the market. Uh, if, you don't, if you don't use that kind of solutions, you like limiting you to, to half of the of technology providers there are. Yeah? So um, maybe some applications 
can't be solved, but most of them should be solved and should be solvable. Um, and um, I think users need to work uh, uh, quite a lot closer with, with vendors uh, on, on that kind of issue. And the larger vendors are, are largely in discussion with their, with their main European clients about that, I think. Um, but as I said, um, uh, both of these, these, these things are, uh, are quite interesting, quite new. I think uh, most of my clients are basically having not enough employees that really understand all these implications that we also have a training issue there, um, that basically not enough people are skilled in cloud technology. Um, and this requires a lot of learning, to be honest. Uh, so um, we, we don't have enough people um, that have this kind of skill set because technology on the one hand for the market, for, for business it's sexy, for um, education, for choosing it as a career path, still for a lot of people it isn't. Uh, because it has a lot to do with analytics and math and things like that. and uh, Especially we are missing out on half of the workforce because still in, in, in Europe, also in Austria, we don't have enough women in that kind of professions. Although there would be enough space and their skills would be highly appreciated. Uh, and uh, we're seeing that, that diverse teams, that mixed teams are really better at, at doing this kind of, uh, of work. But still, there, there is not enough skill uh, out there. Andreas has been a fascinating conversation. So, so last question: uh, If someone's listening and, and they're thinking about their own cybersecurity challenges, what what advice would you give them? Where where should they start, or what's what's most top of mind for you? I think they should start by getting a clear view of what they really want to protect and what they don't. Huh? So, if they have something that they that they really want to that nobody has access to it. Uh, don't upload it to cloud. Uh, don't don't have uh, anyone basically um, protecting it for you. You have to think about um, which kind of data you want to share and which you don't. Uh, um, and then get your security basics right. So things like passwords, patching, all this kind of stuff on a personal level, but also on an enterprise level are still one of the main obstacles there are. Uh, and with um, thinking about which kind of, of information is important for you, which kind of information you want to protect. So what we're still seeing with a lot of corporations is that they actually don't know all the assets. So you can't protect anything that you don't know what it is. Eh? So um, that's that's one of the main obstacles they, that there still are. Eh? Um, so basically, know your diamonds, know, know your key information, try to get the basics right, and then you can go to like more interesting delivery models to more, more interesting and uh, more more sophisticated security measures things like that uh, it's uh, and maybe last it's it's not like a project it's it's something that will be there most likely forever uh, so just establish the right people, the right processes to to basically be also able to grow with the technology. So security should be part basically of every digitalization effort and therefore just um, already at the start, try to get it right and try to build it in um, and have the capabilities to do so. So build up the right team, people build up the right people. So that's, I think, the, the, the main thing here. And have a strategy. That's all the time we have for today. I want to thank Andreas Tomek from KPMG for joining us here on the Workday Podcast. 
If you'd like to hear more, please subscribe to our podcast. I'm Greg Thomas from Workday, and thank you for listening.